Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Welcome back to J. Tom Lawler Rink at Merrimack. Saturday afternoon hockey action, non-league action between Union and Merrimack. Here at Merrimack College, the score after one is Union 2, Merrimack nothing. This is the first intermission Fuddruckers intermission report. An official partner of Merrimack Athletics. Make sure to stop in at Fuddruckers for a burger or a delicious salad before or after the next Warrior game. Located down the street from Merrimack at 350, or sorry, 550 Turnpike Street. They also have locations in Reading and in Salem, New Hampshire. Mike McMahon joins us now from the MacReport.com and College Hockey News, the Eagle Tribune as well. And uh, Mike, quickly, first of all, in that first period, Merrimack had some chances in the first five or six minutes or so. Union weathered the storm, got a couple of goals from themselves, uh, screenshots from the point, and leads to nothing. Yeah, I think both their goals hit. Oh, not their second goal that hit anything. I don't know a pipe, I think. But that first goal, I think, may have hit something on the way in. It looked like it redirected a little bit. But uh, Merrimack had some chances early. I think that Ludwig Larson chance at the bar play was their best chance at the bar play in, in probably weeks. Uh, just not, not able to convert. It's been the story the, the last couple of games here. Yeah, they need something to turn things around here, obviously, playing a Union team that I know, you look at the record, I think everybody knows they're better than the record. This is still a team won the national championship a, a year and a half ago. Uh, you know, a team that's very capable of coming in here and uh, and putting the hurt on you, and they did so in the first period. What's Merrimack got to do in the second? Uh, I think they need to do a little bit of a better job maybe getting to the net. I mean, they had a couple of chances there in front early. Uh, I think Mike Babcock had a chance. Husser had a chance late that he sort of fanned on a little bit, but uh, both those were sort of from a high slot. They really didn't get in towards the net other than maybe one that, that, that Larson chance, and I think LeBlanc had a little quick one-timer on the right side down near the crease, and that's been an area I think of focus over the last couple of weeks, just getting getting to that net front, because that's where most of those goals are going to be scored. All right, well, the big story this week, the Big Ten put forth legislation. College Hockey News has been working on the report. Adam Woden, yourself as well, and uh, tracking this down, the ramifications and so on. First of all, before we get into it, uh, Run, give us a quick rundown. What, what's the news that broke this week? What, what really is the issue? So basically the Big Ten uh, sent a proposal to the NCAA, which the NCAA Council will vote on in April, that specifically is trying to force teams to enroll players by the second year following their expected high school graduation. And I know that sounds a little hard to understand. It's because it is. No one really knows what that means. What, what is expected year of high school graduation? If the kid gets held back his freshman year, uh, does he only have one year after high school to enroll? It's a little murky on those details, but uh, essentially they are trying to eliminate the 21-year-old freshman is what, how a lot of people have phrased it, and that is the case, but uh, I think the ramifications could go a little deeper than that if you're saying two years beyond high school, expected high school graduation. Trying to establish what that expected high school graduation is uh, could really limit the recruiting pool, and, and I, I think it's a step they're trying to make just to make the game younger. I'm not sure that's a good idea, but that's essentially what they're trying to do. So the big controversy, really, I think, on a couple of fronts, right? One is that the Big Ten's going to put this forth without having it uh, go to the, the full body of, of Division One schools and Division One coaches. There's 60, 60 teams playing Division One hockey. That's 60. Not all of them are Division One. Not all of them are part of big conferences like the Big Ten. Merrimack, in fact, is actually as part of hockey. East hockey is not an all-sport conference. Doesn't have actual representation. Doesn't have a vote on the uh, 
in the, in the NCAA convention on an issue like this. But So there's a lot of concern among coaches. I mean, I talked with union coach Rick Bennett before the game. Didn't mince any words. Really not happy about the fact that this, this wasn't brought up to, be, to the coaches' convention in Florida, as usually happens in April or May of every year. Also not happy about the fact that they're going to take it right to the NCAA and, and, and put forth for a vote where, frankly, it's going to be voted on by a lot of conferences and a lot of schools, a lot of school presidents that don't know anything about hockey, don't have a hockey team, don't really have an interest one way or the other, but certainly could be swayed by whatever the Big Ten says. And that's what's interesting. Now, I think this was the worry when the Big Ten started sponsoring hockey is that they would have the power to do this. They're the only hockey conference that can propose legislation because they're the only hockey conference that is not a hockey-only conference. Yeah. So they're the only ones that even have the ability to do this. Uh, and then when you look at the proposal and, and some of the memos that were sent to, to the other conferences when this was finally released and, and explaining their rationale, uh, one of the, the, the language that I found interesting was they, they're comparing it now to bringing this more in line with the practices in basketball and football. The whole NCAA, when they when they reformed how their council was a couple years ago, the, the focus was all on football. I mean, the, the power conferences in football, the Big Ten, uh, the Pac-12, the Big 12, the SEC, and the ACC have their vote count four times on this council when, it, when this proposal goes to vote. The other and most of those conferences uh, have schools that don't have hockey. Exactly. Uh, and then the, the other football conferences have their vote count twice, and then all the, the, the other 22 conferences have their vote count once, the multi-sport conferences. So there's a, a definite emphasis put on football, and when this proposal was sent, uh, part of the rationale behind it from the Big Ten was this brings us more in line with football, and that I think was an effort to, to get some of these conferences that are going to be passing vote on this that don't have hockey and don't have any schools that are even playing hockey. Uh, I think that was a, an effort to try to maybe sway some opinions there. Uh, one of the big ones now, so the, the votes are weighted, meaning that the Big Ten, when they when this goes to vote, the Big Ten's vote is going to count four times. Uh, the only other schools that are in power conferences when this goes to vote are Boston College and Notre Dame and the ACC, uh, and then the big one, Arizona State, the Pac-12. The only school in the Pac-12 that plays hockey. Uh, I know Greg Powers, their head coach, said yesterday that he was against the proposal. Uh, so now, that's big. I mean, Arizona State, their first year Division One hockey, if the Pac-12 voter goes to them as the only school playing Division One hockey and says, hey, what do you think of this? What are your thoughts? How should we vote? Those are four votes from the Pac-12 that could balance or cancel out the four votes from the Big Ten. So Arizona State could play a big role in this just you know, half a season into their Division One era. You know, I, I feel like this is just the beginning of what's to come. I feel like, you know, the whole uh, coming about of the Big Ten Conference with Penn State uh, moving to Division One and starting up its program, I feel like it's kind of all, it's all led to this, and it's going to lead to further things down the road. That you know, the, the Big Ten, those schools have certain interests and things that they want to get done, and a lot, a lot of this, so much of it, does seem to have come out of Minnesota, University of Minnesota, and Don Lucia, the head coach there, who has, has been very vocal about this issue. But one of the things that really strikes me, we we're talking about before the game, is Don Lucia hasn't always been the head coach at Minnesota. He was at Colorado College before that. A small school would certainly would be affected by this. And before that, he was the head coach at Alaska Fairbanks. That's uh, pretty much where he got his start. He coached there in the early 1990s at a time when the Alaska schools had no conference to play in. They were Division One independent soon after schools like Merrimack and St. Cloud, which were independents, then moved into conferences like the, like Hockey East and the WCHA. The Alaska schools had, had nowhere to go, and everybody in college hockey, especially in the West, pulled together, and they said, you know what, the WCHA is going to 
going to take Alaska Anchorage. The CCHA will take Alaska Fairbanks because no conference wanted the burden of, of having both Alaska schools and, and all the financial burden that, that went along with that. Don Lucia benefited from, from college hockey working together many years ago. Why isn't he willing to work with the rest of college hockey today? Yeah, I mean, I know part of their proposal, I think Don Lucia had a Q&A with Dan Myers, a writer, uh, who, who submitted it to CHN as well earlier this week, and he's in, you know, as you would expect, said that this is trying to be the, for the betterment of college hockey. My personal opinion is that that's very disingenuous. I don't think it's for the betterment of college hockey. I think they're, I think the big schools are looking out for themselves. And I, one of the things I wrote this week was, you might as well just call it the, the Providence Rule. The, call it the Union and Providence Rule, uh, where, where smaller programs that have had some older players have won a national title, and I think some of these bigger programs, most of the Big Ten, are, are upset that there's smaller programs infringing upon their private club. And, and I think they're trying to, to keep things the way that they were, uh, which was, of, of the 11 teams, this is another thing we find out this week, and, and I know we got to go, but of the 11 teams that were in favor, they represent 18% of college hockey, roughly. They've won 50% of the national titles. So that tells you who's in favor. The, the, the power schools that have been in power for a long time, want to, in my opinion, are trying to limit the, the schools that have found other ways to compete. Interesting. I'm sure we'll follow the story and talk about it more as we go along. Mike, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, too. All right, Mike McMahon's been our guest here. The score after one, Union 2, Merrimack, nothing back after this. This is Warrior Hockey. Thank <laughs> you.